What does your faith prove? When you face hardships in life, how do you react to them? Well, we're going to be discussing this topic and more as we dive further into the study of 1 Peter. This is BibleStudyPodcast.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bible Study Podcast. I am your host, John Krause, and today is Friday, May 20th, 2011. First off, thank you all for downloading this podcast and joining me on episode four of the study of First Peter. And um, I hope you guys have been enjoying it so far. I've had some issues with the sound up and down. I'm hoping this one will be loud enough for all of you who listen on all the different devices out there that you'll be able to hear this one loud and clear. I'll try to talk a little louder, and we'll see if those two variables added together can't equal one loud podcast for you. Well, okay, let's go ahead and get started. Won't you join me with a quick word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together today. Lord, we ask you that you be with us as we study your word. Lord, we ask for your wisdom to flow through us so that we may gain a better understanding of your word. May the careful study of this text of scripture which introduces the theme of suffering, may it be used to internally change our perspective on this this often misunderstood subject of suffering. We lift this time of study, reflection, and prayer up to you, Lord. In the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, okay, today we're going to be studying 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So if you do have a Bible and you want to turn to that, go ahead right now while I go ahead and read for you. In this you greatly rejoice... Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, now verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. This refers to the entire message found in verses 3 through 5. The passage emphasizes the Christian's great salvation that awaits us at the end of our life. That we're going to gain that inheritance that is kept and protected by God in heaven for us. The reader's knowledge and experience of salvation, both of the present and what is to come, should stimulate great rejoicing in them and also in us now. Christian salvation is both the cause and the solution of our suffering. Although suffering is a normal part of life, salvation will result in more suffering and persecution because it is an opposing lifestyle in this world. Look around you. Being a Christian isn't winning any kind of popularity contests. I don't know about you, but I know many people that I know, you can't be open about it everywhere. Now, I live openly, and it's not for everyone, even though everyone should. I know a lot of people are shy about it, and they're afraid to get in an argument, and they're afraid to talk about it because they might offend someone instead of embracing your belief, embracing God and, and trusting in God, and, and trusting that what you should be doing is evangelizing others and being open about your faith. But at the same time, knowledge of our salvation is one that will enable us to hold on and stimulate joy and hope in the midst of our suffering. 
And that's what these people were going through. The phrase for a little while is a reminder that all the many trials and sufferings we as Christians go through, has they have one thing in common. They're all temporary. Their suffering, our suffering, is only but for a short while when compared to eternity. It will not last forever. Every single Christian should remember that at the end, we all fade from this life. Our salvation will resort in a pain-free, tear-free, loving, everlasting life with our Lord and Savior. No more pain or suffering for any of us. The pain and suffering that we all endure in life is, is a very personal thing to each and every one of us. I know there are a lot of people out there that have been through things that many of us couldn't even imagine that just absolutely trump any minuscule minor thing that some of us may consider a trial. That there's so many of you out there that this would blow everyone away if we knew what you've been through. But there's one thing that all of us have in common is that we will all suffer in some various ways through this life. That's the ultimate reality for all of us. But hear this, friend. If you are in Christ, this world will be the closest to hell you will ever be. Now, you greatly rejoice. This is a simple statement of fact. Rejoicing is being mentioned almost continually through the New Testament, even though now for a little while. Now, this is not meant to be understood as a prophecy, because he doesn't know that for sure. He's talking more about our life on this earth, that even if we were to suffer for our entire life, that's still a short while. The trials coming upon the Christians to whom Peter wrote were more than just normal trials. It says, you have been distressed by various trials. It's a reference to the weight of persecution being felt by Christians. As we get further into First Peter, we're going to get to a number of glimpses we're going to see into some of the more persecutions happening to these early Christians. Verse 6 concludes by mentioning the sorrow that comes from various kinds of trials. The word for trials literally means temptations or tests in which failure is very possible. These trials are another passing reference to the persecution being experienced by the readers of First Peter. Now it's very important for all of us to understand that there is a necessity of suffering. For us in this world. Many of us know we, we, we play the why me game when we go through suffering. Like, I, I can't believe this is happening to me. Why would this happen to me? Why would God do this to me? But in the sovereign will of God, many times suffering is purposed and therefore a necessity enacted by our God. You see, God's plan includes no accidental mistakes. Even the sins of others committed against us can be part of God's plans for our lives. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph's brothers were told, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Peter tells us suffering only comes to us when the sovereign God of the universe deems it necessary. A sovereign and merciful God who causes, quote, all things to work together for our good, end quote. And that's Romans 8.28. Though we go through difficult times, and, and many times we just don't understand what the purpose or what the plan is, we need to be rest assured that there's no senseless suffering for us. You know, I've, I've learned in, in my sufferings in life, whether it was self-imposed or caused by others, that there was a lesson to be learned. There, there always was a lesson to be learned. I have not found one thing that I've gone through in my life, not any pain in my life, that I didn't learn something, that it didn't shape me in some way, that if someone did something to me, I learned something from it. 
and and I've learned to to start to think about these things in in a way that will help me better myself, therefore that I can glorify God. Our earthly sufferings are temporary, while heavenly glory is eternal, as seen in the phrase, now for a little while. For the elect, for those of us in Christ, suffering occurs only in this life. The glory and the reward that God is protecting for us lasts forever. Now check out what John tells us in Revelations chapter 21 verses 2 through 4. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be among them, and he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall no longer be any death, there shall no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16-18, through 18, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And again here, Paul is telling us that suffering is momentary, but glory is eternal. Suffering is light, but glory is weighty. We do not trade suffering for glory. It is not a reward for suffering. That, keep that in mind. Put yourself through suffering is not going to help. That's not what this is about. Here are a couple points of observation here. First, Peter is not commanding his readers to rejoice in suffering. He was just stating the way in which they were already responding to the hope of their inheritance, which is truly the way Christians should react to the sufferings of this world. Secondly, their rejoicing was not some superficial made-up front for people around them or to deny the reality of pain and suffering they were going through. Peter was describing the deep happiness or gladness and exultation that God was at work in the world. There are many times when joy is simply a conviction that God is present to work with you through the pain toward good again. Now verse 7, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. When someone has faith in God, this is much more valuable to God than anything, than anything on earth. Gold shines even when it is not pure. If you mix gold with other metals, it still looks like pure gold. If you melt gold in a pot over top, over top of a hot fire, you can find out whether or not the gold is really pure. As gold gets hotter, any other metals or bits of dirt or contamination or anything that's in the gold rises to the surface and only then can someone remove them. Peter likens the purification process by which God purifies and strengthens our faith to the process by which gold is purified and made precious. Peter says that troubles in a person's life are like this fire. When people have troubles, they see the bad behavior that hides inside of them, like those impurities in the gold. And when you go through suffering, those things bubble up. As sin is exposed, it can be repented of and put to death. If they do this, then their faith... In God, our faith in God is genuine. 
And I know some of you might have been around people like this, people that are very reserved. and They seem like really good people, and you've never seen them act in any kind of crazy way. But then you put somebody through a amount of suffering, you can really see the true nature of someone when they're going through a hard time. When they get angry, you can really see what's in someone's heart when you see that. So it is with our faith, these these fiery trials we go through, through which God puts his saints through trials, purifies our faith so that when we stand in his presence, in his kingdom, our faith will be found to be genuine and precious, resulting in praise, glory, and honor to God. Now note that verse 7 does not say that these trials will make our faith genuine, but rather it proves our or, or confirms whether our faith is genuine in the first place. A person who does not have genuine faith will not suddenly disproduce this genuine faith when they're put through trials, but they will rather fail the trial. But a person with genuine faith will manifest and develop it when undergoing these trials. In other words, trials will develop your faith but it will not create faith if it is not there in the first place. Just like when gold is tested by fire, the impurities drip away through the many trials of life. That's genuine faith. The tested faith, the perfect faith, is, is what we celebrate more than our comfort or ease in life. God wants us to lean on Him. God wants us to trust in Him because that's what's best for us. Not trying to endure things under our own strength because, let me tell you, None of us are strong enough. We are not strong enough to get through this life on our own. That is where we have true strength in Jesus Christ. We can rejoice in the hardships in life because God is perfecting our faith through these hardships. The hardest part for me dealing with these hardships is trying to focus on what God wants for me and not what I want for myself and being patient and having a complete faith in God. This is something I struggle with. A lot of times I get in a hurry and I just want to do what I want to do and instead of maybe praying on things and, and, and being patient and waiting and seeing what God has in store for me and what God has planned for me. Listen to these words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chooses us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. And Paul also tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And in Romans chapter 9, verse 17, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed through the whole earth. It's easy to be a Christian when life is favorable and everything's going our way. Christians often have trouble in their lives. God uses these troubles to make their faith in God strong and pure. To have faith in God means to trust in God and in Jesus Christ his son. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 says that troubles help to grow us up as strong Christians so that they should have joy even when they have troubles in life. Okay, who are the recipients of this praise and glory and honor mentioned in verse 7? 
Well, all the praises, glory, and honor ultimately belong to God, but here in the context of 1 Peter, it's implying that these recipients of praise, glory, and honor are the Christians. We must distinguish the difference between praise, glory, and honor that humans will receive from God and the praise, glory, and honor that ultimately belongs only to God. Your genuine faith will bring praise, glory, and honor to Jesus when he comes again. The praise, glory, and honor as a result of their genuine faith, mentioned in verse 7, happens at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Genuine faith requires perseverance. Many people don't want to hear what scriptures say. The ultimate purpose of man is not to be happy, to be fulfilled, to have your best life now, or even to be saved. Man's ultimate purpose is to glorify God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. According to Peter, suffering is closely related to faith. It is a test which exposes false faith and reveals the, the, the genuineness of true faith when you go through suffering. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses reminds the Israelites who are about to enter the promised land and how God tested them by adversity. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 says, quote, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years, that he might humble you, testing you, and know what was in your heart, whether you keep his commandments or not. God is glorified by faith by the faith of those who trust in him because of who he is, not because of his blessings. That is the message of verse 7. The faith of the saints will result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, suffering will remain a part of our lives, off and on until we pass beyond this temporal existence on earth, into what God has prepared for us, for those who love him and, and have faith in him. For the Christian, suffering helps us to keep our eyes on things of eternal value, to have compassion and love for others, to develop patience, to prove our love and loyalty towards God, and to prove to men the genuineness of our convictions and our love. It helps us to understand the heart of God better because God suffers constantly because he loves so much. Don't just think of of, of your own suffering, but consider the sufferings of God himself. Jesus Christ was no stranger to suffering. As God in the flesh, he was certainly willing to take some of his own medicine here. He isn't just telling us all, I'm going to make you suffer for no reason. Jesus Christ came down and bore the sins of the world on his back and was bloodied, beaten, and crushed. Shouldn't we trust a God who would do that for us? All the sufferings it is ultimately for the glory of God. This is a truth that many Christians have a hard time accepting, that suffering is, is a part of life. Being a Christian and believing in Jesus Christ and loving God doesn't get us a free pass from sufferings in this life. The pass you get is after this life, and that's why you got to keep that in your mind always. Your pass is not now. It's after this life. And I'd much rather have eternity with happiness, no tears and no pain, and no suffering than this short time on earth. Scriptures tell us that suffering can serve a very beneficial function in the life of a Christian. It tests our faith and proves it to be genuine or false. 
It purifies and strengthens our faith. And a proven faith glorifies God. You know, when I think about my life and I reflect upon the same tragedies and suffering and pain that caused me to be destructive at times when I was younger are the same things that strengthen me and give me insight and compassion for others today. God showed me to look at the same things with a, a, a different view, one that is constructive and that builds me up and helps me try to build others up around me. As I grow in my faith, more is revealed to me about my past and, and the plan that God has for me in the future. We need to always keep in mind that God refines our faith by trials. We are a work in progress. No matter what happens in your life, have faith in God. Trust in God. Love your God. He will finish the work He started in you. Well, that's all I have for episode 4 of the study of 1 Peter. I hope it's blessed you as much as it has me doing it. Let me lead us out in a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for this time together today. Lord, we thank you for suffering. Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to grow as Christians and strengthen our faith in you. We lift up this time in prayer and study to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I thank you for downloading this podcast. And as always, have a good weekend, have a good next week, and keep growing in your faith. You are beautiful, 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 my Lord. You are beautiful, beautiful, my Lord. You are beautiful, 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 my Lord. You are beautiful, beautiful, my Lord. He who dwells in your shelter Rest in the shadow of the Almighty One. And he who dwells in your shelter will rest in the shadow of the Almighty One. You are beautiful, 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 my Lord. You are beautiful, beautiful, my God. You are beautiful, 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 my Lord. You are beautiful, beautiful, my Lord. I will say to my Savior, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And I will say to my Savior, you're my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Yes, you're beautiful, 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 my Lord. You are beautiful, beautiful, my Lord. You are beautiful, 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 my Lord. You are beautiful, beautiful, my God. He who dwells in your shelter 
This message has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us, and we ask nothing further from you. But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us going and growing. If you'd like to make a donation to BibleStudyPodcast.org to keep us going and reaching thousands of people around the world, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, and you can make a donation on the right-hand side by clicking on the support box. Again, we do rely on your support, and we thank you so much for your financial participation in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today and keep growing closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm.